everybody. Hi, friends. Well, from beautiful Salt Lake City, Utah. It's Thank God I'm Atheist. The podcast. I'm Dan Beecher. And filling in for Frank this week is me, Andrea Beecher. That's right. It is you. Thank you for coming. <laughs> Hi, Andrea. How Hi. are you? Hi. Thank you for having me. I'm good. My lovely partner here. Uh, and coming up on today's show, it's uh, it's fall it and, is. And that is wedding season. And, uh, oh, is it? Love is in the air. Well, it is for us. Yeah, you're in our right. In our lives, there's a lot of lot of weddings happening, and uh, and we've got some shit to say about it. We have opinions. <laughs> we got opinions. Uh, so yeah, we're gonna we're gonna be talking about uh, a wedding that we just attended. We're gonna be talking about weddings. That's later in the show, though. Uh, but first, why why don't you dive in with a with a story? Hit us. All right. Hit us with a story. I'll hit you with my best shot. <laughs> my first story today is about drag queen Flamey Grant. Oh, we've talked about Flamey before. Yes. I got in a little bit of trouble because I was because I got mad at Flamey for not for having a comedy name. But meaning, singing so, but, sincere but, Christian songs. Yeah, not okay, Flamey. I'm still not I'm still <laughs> bent about it. Anyway, what's Flamey up to now? Well, she has joined a lawsuit. Um over Tennessee's Anti-Drag Act. Ah. Yes. Um, as you know, the country right now is super obsessed with drag queens. Yes. As, no. we, as we know, though there has never been any evidence at all that drag queens do any harm to children, they have been labeled groomers by the right wing and they, you know, the 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 proud boys go and pick at drag queen story. I feel hours. like the right just has to dig so deep to find <laughs> things to be grumpy about. Of all the enemies to choose, like oh. like men in women's clothing is their yeah. big terror in 2023, really? That's you that's know, what we're not do? you know, children going hungry at night. Not priests molesting people or whatever. No, no. not mass shootings, you know. No, serious problems like people in the wrong gendered clothes. Boo. <laughs> All right. So what's the story? So there is to be a pride festival in Blount County, Tennessee. <laughs> Wait, how do you spell that? It's B-L-O-U-N-T. Okay. So maybe it's Blount. I like Blount. I like gonna... Blount, Blount. <laughs> I guess it's more Blount. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Anyway, I mean, listen, come on, Tennessee. The, those of you who live in that county can let us know, but we don't actually care. We we don't. It's just <laughs> nonsense. So the attorney general of Blount uh -huh. County has sent essentially like a cloaked cease and desist letter to this group of performers to this festival that just says, Hey, warning, warning. If you perform in public, you know, in any way that children can see and, and witness this pride that you're going to be manifesting, we're going to shut you down. Meaning if you're in drag, if you're in drag, um, they, so this lawsuit, basically, and I, I think this is really important because it has an overarching implication. You know, Flamey Grant just says, I think it's an issue of defending their First Amendment rights, you know, as artists, as queer people, as citizens. So wait, what's the lawsuit? They're basically saying, oh, sorry, I wasn't very clear about that. I just got like right in there. <laughs> um, the lawsuit is basically like, hey, you can't tell us we can't do this because Tennessee has had this 
Adult Entertainment Act amendment go through. Right. It's essentially anti-drag. So that actually got to right. the Supreme it, it, Court. It equated, uh, we did report on this, and it equated drag with like a strip club. It was basically, yeah. it was like, yeah, and you can't let children see yeah. drag. Oh, no. And so it actually got all the way to the Supreme Court in Tennessee and was struck down as unconstitutional. And so although the county is appealing it, it is not it is not law right now. Okay. And so this attorney general is still threatening to shut them down based on this law that he really has no basis for using. So okay. So the drag queens are 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 suing yes. the attorney general. The it, the drag queens in addition to the um American Civil Liberties Union, mm -hmm. um a, you know, a bunch of other, you know, advocacy groups for free speech, for equality, all of that are now saying, hey, you you cannot do this, that that the amendment that prohibits adult cabaret <laughs> entertainment from taking place in public um, or a place where it could be viewed by children. Um, yeah, you can't invoke that. Won't someone protect the children from people but wearing the, clothes? But the children. <laughs> I mean, if anything, they're just guilty of wearing a lot of makeup and yeah. using a lot of hairspray. Yeah, yeah. They, I mean, you know, they—that is a crime. Well, the other thing about this lawsuit that I think is important—it's not just hey, this isn't constitutional because this is not an amendment; it was struck down, but also. You're like, we're afraid, like yeah. you're threatening us. Well, yeah. And, and also like literally perpetuating hate, hateful ideas. So that yeah. like, if the, if elements of the government are saying these people are dangerous, yes, then other than other, you know, unhinged people, which I mean, it's not like the Trump in the Trump era, we have been, we, we've seen what the unhinged right looks like and not, and most of them wouldn't go and attack a drag queen, but a, but a not a non-zero number of them yeah. will go and, and attack. A totally. Drag queen. It's, it's just an a absolutely bigoted law that unfairly targets people based on their sexual identity, their orientation and their career. Yeah. Because for drag queens, some of, some of them solely make their living as entertainers as as drag queens and i think it's really silly at how threatening the right seems to think drag queens are when really it's just theater it's yeah. performative theater it's it's an art it's it's expression of art it's silly it's entertainment i mean you know the right has nothing but big strong alpha males who are scared of boys in dresses yeah it's true so anyway they are hoping so the lawsuit includes the county attorney general the state attorney general and then some uh, the defend defendants also include several law enforcement mm -hmm. because they've they're basically going to be there making everybody feel kind you know scared yeah and intimidated yeah all right. Well, so good luck. And um, oh, one little note that I think is really funny is that, you know, some very self-righteous people are threatening, you know, this Pride Festival. But at the same time, the Pride Festival is happening 
at Maryville College, which is connected to a Presbyterian church. And one of the sponsors of this Pride Festival is a local Episcopal church. So while at the same time, you know, these local government officials are getting all good old boy on them, the local church community is like, hey, guys, inclusivity. Right. So, like, come on. Yeah. Like, there's such a there's such a dichotomy here of just <laughs> idiocy. Well, uh, speaking of whiny right wing people, man babies, m- people who hate uh, the wrong things. <laughs> Elon Musk is uh, is, is oh, no. has threatened a lawsuit. Uh, the head of what I still call Twitter and refuse to call anything else. He was so stupid to change one of the most recognizable brands on the planet. What do you mean? Nothing's changed. It's Twitter. It's, there's <laughs> it's been like n- the Delta Center. If you live in Salt Lake, you know what we mean. Yeah. Go on. Anyway, uh, so the 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 uh, figurehead, the ding dong figurehead of, of Twitter, Elon Musk, has threatened a lawsuit against the uh, Anti-Defamation League, which is a an anti-Jewish hate uh, group. Yes. And, which is funny because what you don't want to do is be seen as being an enemy to anti, anti-Semitism. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like that kind of makes you an anti-Semite? Maybe not necessarily. Anyway, here's the point. Uh, the ADL at one point, uh, you know, when, when Musk took over at Twitter, he kind of just opened the floodgates and let all the Nazis back in like before, if you were a Nazi and openly declaring hatred to a specific group or, you know, or if you were wildly racist or whatever, you would get kicked off of the platform. You as would, you should, as you very much should in in an effort to keep the platform a little bit safe. Yeah. Um it's it is now no longer safe at all. Uh Oh, it's and, the wild wild west. And Musk the Musk is responsible for that cuz he thought that it was a big problem with uh with you know, a violation of people's first amendment free speech rights and blah 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 cuz he doesn't understand anything about anything. No. He likes to just hear himself talk about important issues. Yeah. And uh, he and, wants an opinion and, and he wants everyone who, to hear it. And anyone who has over a billion dollars is obvious. Obviously, their opinion is valuable. So. <laughs> uh, so, yes, he he let all of the the uh, the evil back on and the ADL encouraged uh, advertisers to stop advertising for a while to put that on hold uh, while. Twitter gets its shit together. The other thing, too, is that not only did he let all this back on, but my understanding is that when he took over Twitter, he fired or let go a huge, like most of the policing department. The moderation teams. The moderation teams. Yeah. yeah. So not only are they letting them back on, but they have no ability to police what is happening. Yeah, very little mechanism for to address it. So the ADL very reasonably was like, um, maybe if you want to support Jewish people and keep, you know, if you don't like when people of color and Jewish people are uh, viciously attacked and echo chambers start to form. Because one of the things that actually was discovered um, by, uh, so I, I wish I knew I had the study pulled up, but there was a study and it said that algorithms, they're looking for ways to increase people's uh, 
time on the website. And so hate is a great way to do that. The algorithm doesn't care about hate. Algorithms don't know what hate they is. They just see people but they getting see, stuck in a loop. They see engagement. And yeah. so it magnifies anti-Semitic uh, mm. posts. It magnifies racist posts. It magnifies. So it's a, the algorithm's kind of scary in that way. So anyway, yeah, the ADL was like, hey, maybe don't uh, advertise here. And they didn't. And, and But you know what? Even the ADL went back to advertising on Twitter for a while. Uh, after a while, it was just things calmed down. And even the Anti-Defamation League did some ads on Twitter. But uh, things got bad again. Anyway, there's a whole thing. Now, uh, Musk is mad at the ADL again. And has threatened to sue them on. He threatened it on Twitter, so it's not like it's actually meaningful. What did he, he threaten? He just threatened to sue them initially for four billion dollars, and then and changed why? it for to twenty two billion dollars. Oh my gosh! Because for he what? he claimed that their criticism of Twitter uh, cost them like led to a 60% drop in their advertising. I think Elon Musk doesn't understand that he's the one that has lost Twitter the most money. <laughs> I think I think if he were capable of any kind of self-confrontation, he would understand it, but he's not. So yeah, uh, oh boo hoo. Yeah, there there you go. Uh he's very sad that the mean mean and here's the thing. Uh, the very ugly side of Twitter has come out in force against the ADL and they are, you know, basically the worst people in the world. There's a guy named Jake Shields whose, whose bio, whose Twitter bio says he is a quote, mixed martial arts champion and right-wing extremist. That's his own bio. Those are his own words. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he uh, said, did a tweet that said, let's get this trending. This is this is uh, the hashtag ban the ADL. He, he said, let's get this trending to help wake the masses of how evil they truly are. I think it is such a twisted message. They well, we know that the right is just just a ball of contradiction and hypocrisy, but they are so for religious freedom and yet they represent no they're for christian freedom yeah i know which they call is, religion this is the idiot like this is the idiocy that like and they're just too dumb to even realize yeah. i don't know it just it's like i give up yeah i hate everyone <laughs> no 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 don't give up anyway uh yeah it Elon Musk spent the weekend engaging with the wrong part of this conversation, the bad guys on mm -hmm. Twitter, which and, just validates them. Uh, yeah. And, and literally like offered to put up a thought, maybe they should put up a poll as to whether they should ban the ADL from oh the platform or whatever. And his, him and his polls, no poll about like whether they should ban, whether they should like ban Nazis from yeah. he's never he's never asked if he should put up that poll. He, so he's all for limiting free speech. It's just he gets to choose whose free speech he limits. Yeah, that's what he, he has a small poll. <laughs> all right, let's move on quickly <laughs> from that. So my next story, oh, cloaked in a lot of tragedy is just some real 
crazy cuckoo bananas shit. Okay. Um, you've probably, a lot of you have probably heard of the Lori Vallow case. Lori Vallow Daybell. Yeah, we, Frank and I have, nobody's called us out on this, but we have pretty, we've done a really good job of avoiding this story. Which is remarkable because at the <laughs> root of this story is like crazy cult religiosity that is like gone awry. Yeah, like but the worst case scenario for religion and, and Mormonism at that. So yeah, it's like, it's, you know, it's like Mormonism at its most fundamental extremist yeah. craziness. And so anyway, just as a as a quick, you know, quick summation, okay. she has been sentenced for uh, murdering two of her own children and conspiring to kill the ex-wife, not even ex-wife, the wife of her now husband. Yeah. So she was, you know, preparing to mar marry this man while he was still married to this woman. They can, you know, picking out wedding rings and all the things conspired to murder her. She was murdered. And then two weeks later they married. So, you know, that's not a coincidence or anything. So anyway, she has been found guilty. Yeah. Of, I believe it's a, a seven counts, you know, across the board of not just murder, but grand theft and a bunch of other things because, Wow. Because she went on a crazy. Yeah. She, and not only did she, you know, was she proven to have killed her children? She was collecting, you know, um, child support and, and government funds. And so she just is guilty for a lot of things, frauding the government. So she had a chance, as all convicts do, they have a chance to, you know, give a statement before the sentencing. Right. And a lot of times this statement can very much affect the judge's sentencing. Yeah, the whole point of it. The, the, point, the point of it is to like say, I'm so remorseful, please be lenient. I beg yes, of you. I am I'm a changed person. I see the error of my ways. Which is funny because like always whenever I see that, you know, they make their statement and then the judge proceeds to just read whatever they've already written in front of them. So it's like does it change things? In this case, it did. And I actually <laughs> went to the effort of watching the the public, you know, it's it's obviously public um they, record. They, they let the video Yeah, be so released. and the A, while she was reading her statement, the judge was making copious amount of notes while also looking like a deer in the headlights. <laughs> like, oh my fucking God, <laughs> this woman is really saying this. So he's like barely blinking, looking just awestruck and okay, taking a bunch of notes. Tell us what she said first. <laughs> so he, she, uh, I'm going to read, this is, I'm going to, I won't read the whole thing verbatim. Because it's long and crazy, but I'm going to get it wrong. And if I'm quoting the Bible, I better get it right. So oh, okay. Lori says, I would like to start by quoting John from the New Testament in the Bible in John chapter eight, verse seven. Jesus says, he that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. Then in the first verse of chapter 15, Jesus says, yea, Judge after the flesh, I judge no man, and yet if I judge, my judgment is true. So she is basically coming to the table with like, hey, no remorse, 
didn't do anything wrong. Hey, you've probably done some shit like, <laughs> you know, stolen your neighbor's garbage can and listen, maybe like ran over a squirrel before. So you can't fucking judge me. Listen, bitch. judge. You can't judge me. You can't judge me at all. <laughs> Jesus knows me and he understands me. So, you know, there's this, there's the beginning of the rabbit hole or evidence of the rabbit hole. She started tumbling very far down. You know, when she married this or her husband, who is the a prophet and all the things and was clearly the catalyst in her going just bonkers. There, there is something unique about Mormonism that uh, allows for or I mean, so one of the one of the sort of tenets of Mormonism that I think they deeply regret ever having, like, I think the minute Joseph Smith uttered this. He regretted it, and I think they've regretted it ever since. And that is the idea that everyone can receive personal revelation. Yes. So, <laughs> so you can just be, you know, you're your visited. own prophet. You're, yeah, you're, you can be a prophet. Anybody and can. no one can tell you that your personal revelation wasn't real for you. Right, and also like it gives cover for cuckoo people, yeah. the Lafferty brothers, or whatever. To believe that they are, you know, led led by God to do whatever crazy, shitty thing they're doing. You know, the Ammon Bundys of the world or whatever. Yeah. So anyway, what did did Lori have to say? So she goes on to say that Jesus knows her and Uh. that no one in this case, even though the facts show that she is, in fact, a murderer. She basically says accidental deaths happen, suicides happen. And fatal side effects from medications happen. So she's still denying she had any involvement in her children's murder, in the murder of her husband's wife. I and accidentally murdered them. Yeah. <laughs> and that she has a different perspective on life. And so that's that's why she could basically like, you know, you know, um, carry out the fate of these people because she knows she knows a thing or two. She she claims that she died while giving birth to her daughter, who was one of the children she murdered. I got better. <laughs> so she left her body, met her, the spirit of her sister, who apparently is passed before. And her sister took her to heaven to show her all the things and showed her, you know, Mormons very much believe in the pre-existence and mm. that we were all adult spirit children that chose to come down to earth and that were predestined to live a certain way. Mm. And her sister showed her all the things, showed her how amazing and, and that no, you can't stay dead, even though heaven's so great and you want to stay, you have some work to do. So send her back down. That work is murdering children. Exactly. So she, so she basically is saying that her two children are happier her husband's wife happier. They're doing great work up there. They're helping their family and friends and they're happy. And they have appeared to her as angelic visitors, letting her know, Hey mom, we're happy. We're healthy. (laughs) We're, we're doing some great things up here. Thank you. Thank you for, you know, apparently escorting us into the spirit world. Um, and that she's also mourning their loss. Here's the thing. The the real problem here is that what when there are always going to be people with delusions, with hallucinations, Absolutely. and, and mental I, health issues. And I have a lot of sympathy for that. But when you mix in religion, that it gives cover 
for those people in their own minds mm -hmm. to believe the, their delusion even further to give to to and, and not only believe it's them a scapegoat but yeah. give holy mandate you know give the the air of holy mandate to their delusions to their hallucinations so that it's not just you know my neighbor's dog is telling me to murder it's <laughs> god yeah has given me this task or this journey and i you know i'm under obligation and, or or I uh, I am holy and therefore what I do uh, is a holy act. Blah, it's blah, blah, sanctioned. Blah. Exactly. Yeah. And the, the thing that's really sad is that even if this were all to be true, her daughter committed suicide because of a long life of pain. Apparently she had pancreatitis and her son accidental death and the, the medication thing with with the, the wife. Even if that were all to be true, these people were dismembered and mutilated and buried like animals. So yeah, so God, you know, the these people died at the hands of God, but the way that you, you know, clean that all up is to bury them and not, you know, go to the no. authorities and say, oh my gosh, my my child committed suicide. All right. So anyway, let's let so what are you gonna say? Raise a glass? No, I don't know what I was going to say. It's sad. And the judge basically called her out and was like, um, I'm not going to buy this, this, you know, this extreme religious, self-righteous, narcissistic point of view. And, you know, I, I think that was really, really good. And he said it in such a way that wasn't an attack on religion. It was like, hey, you can't use that and not be remorseful and and think that you're the only one with the answers. No. And so Here's, as anyway. a general rule, only God can judge me is a bad thing to say at your trial. Just, yes. Just in general. Take, if you take nothing else from this podcast. Absolutely. That is that is a, a good takeaway. Well, I'm going to take us to uh, an update on a on a terrible story that has just gotten Every every time it has made its appearance on this show, it's gotten terribler. Oh no! It's a high school football coach. We all remember uh, this guy, Joe Kennedy, who was the the assistant high school football coach at Bremerton High, just outside of Seattle. Um, hmm. who insisted on taking kids out to the middle of the field, fifty yard line. Uh, and and doing a prayer after every game, uh, this was this is not great. This is not appropriate. And the school, here's the thing, he sued because he claims that he was fired for 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 praying for doing a private prayer. It went all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, the U.S. Supreme Court, because they're a bunch of lunatics right now, mm -hmm. uh, Judge Gorsuch lied his ass off in his uh in his opinion so much so that literally he literally he claimed a whole bunch of things that weren't true a uh the dude did not get fired he was literally put on paid leave pending uh an investigation a review yeah and then uh and then his contract was just not picked up again he was not under contract uh after that paid leave so he was not fired, A. B, Gorsuch claimed that it was just this private little prayer that he would do and people were invited to. No, 
literally in her descent, I think it was Sotomayor, Judge Sotomayor had to pose for the first time, I think ever put a photograph in her descent of this huge group of a students. A huge circle kneeling on the field, a public <clears throat> display, not like back in the locker room kind no, of thing. No, no, not, not off privately or whatever, which by the way, the school gave him the option to like, no, you can, you can pray, just go off to a private place. Yeah. And 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 have a prayer. That's fine. And he was like, no, I need everyone to see how righteous I am. Right. Because it's not like the Bible has a has a, a verse in it that says, pray quietly. Don't pray openly in, in public. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> but that's OK. That just came out of Jesus mouth himself. So that's not something to be taken seriously. Anyway, um, <laughs> he he won his case. Crazy. Uh, and and the. The concept of freedom lost that case. Anywho, here's the thing. One of the things that he was pretending he was fighting for was to get his job back. Yes. He never wanted his job back. He It's and the principle of And the literally, thing. like before he the like before this even got to the Supreme Court, he had moved all the way from Washington state to Pensacola, Florida, basically as far as you could possibly go in the, in the contiguous United States of America to, and he, I did not know that. That's he hilarious. Lived there. He had a voting, he had registered to vote in Florida. Like he was, he had put up roots <clears throat> yeah. or down, down. Yeah. He had planted roots. <laughs> he lived in Florida. Now he was a Floridian now. Uh, and so, you know, the people defending the case we're like, you know, a, lo a lot of amicus briefs, a lot of people writing in to say, hey, he has no intention of going back to his job. This is moot. Yeah. This is moot now. Like This is a waste you, of everybody's time. You should not be doing this. He doesn't even want this job back. But his lawyer fired back with a, he desperately wants this part-time coach job back. It's, he, of course he would move back to Washington for to an do... assistant high school coach. Yeah, position. exactly. Uh, it was yeah. a whole bunch of bullshit. It was all trumped up just to, uh, just to try and give the court something to, to try and ruin the separation of church and state with, uh, it worked. And, uh, and of course they, they made a huge, horrible decision. And then, so, so the, the place that this story has gone now is that the coach, Got his job back. Because he desperately wanted it. Went back, coached one game, and quit. Oh, that's, you know, of that's not weird at all. No, we didn't. No one could we, have seen that no. coming. Yeah. Token, one token game. It was probably preseason, too. It probably wasn't. <laughs> do they do preseason in high school? I don't I, know. It I doesn't don't. even fucking matter. That's yeah. fucking bullshit. Yep. Uh, so and why did he quit? Back to Florida. Because he never intended to do this shit. I mean, I don't know that we know. What... But I guess, but you, but, but he had to have made a public statement. I mean, the bigger question is, why did he go back? I think he, the public statement was that he went back. I think he probably did a prayer. And then, uh, and then, no, he, he, he never wanted this job in the first place. So he left. Well, wow. Bum, bum, ba, bum, all right. Mm. What all do you right. Got? Well, wrapping up stories. Oof! I wish you could all see the picture I'm looking at right now because it is a sight to see. We're gonna we're gonna jump from Pensacola, uh huh, um, via Seattle 
or Washington and they head up to Jersey, okay. the Jersey Shore, you see. Sure. And everyone loves the Jersey Shore. Yes. And to a little township called Ocean Grove. Mm. And the story I'm or the picture that I'm looking at is a huge pier that starts, you know, well, you know, inland, yeah. you know, from the boardwalk. Goes from the sand. No, the boardwalk okay. over across the sand out into the water. And it is the shape of a huge ass cross. Okay. Like cross. And that's not that's not just a coincidence. No, it is very much the proportion of a cross and very deliberately a cross. Right. They have it is exactly what they intended to do. Um, there is a Methodist group who has been chartered to manage this particular section of beach. To be clear, all beaches are public in in the United States of America are public. You are not allowed to privately own beach. Right. You can own up to a certain point. But beyond that, the beach, the waterline is public. And in this case, this is still very much a public beach. But there uh, was a local government chartered awarded to this Methodist group who have been put in charge of managing this ocean Mm. beachfront. And when Hurricane Sandy wiped out the original pier, this group raised $2 million to build the pier back up. And, you know, and then they, they made sure that it reminded everyone about Jesus. And, but the problem with this, you know, we've just been talking about the separation of church and state. This it's, we're getting into muddy waters, literally, (laughs) because they have been awarded by the local government to essentially manage this beach, but they are supposed to keep this beach inclusive to the entire public and they aren't. And that's the contention here. And because. So how are they preventing people? So I was getting to that just now. I'm going to, I'm going to name them. They are the Ocean Grove Camp Meeting Association. (laughs) I don't fucking get it. I had to read that like three times. (laughs) And they, they don't hide their religious affiliation. What they are now doing, which they claim to have a secular reason for as well, is blocking access to the beach on Sunday mornings between Memorial Day and Labor Day. So <laughs> what you can't go to the beach to enjoy the beauty that God created for for everyone until afternoon on Sundays during the summer. Well, it's you know, it's the weekend. It's not like anybody wants to go to the beach on the weekend. No, never. Not <laughs> that isn't the most busy time of year for the beach. Yeah. Um, so you know, everybody's kind of pissed, obviously. Yeah. And you know, no lawsuits have been, you know, gone into effect. It's, you know, because they fund everything and pay for everything, it's delicate. It's not like the taxpayers are solely paying for all of this and they can like chop that off at the head. They <laughs> Let me jump ahead to their reasoning for doing this. Okay. The beach is so beautiful. This is this is what they're claiming. This is what the the camp meeting association is claiming. Okay. Is that the closure enhances a religious and secular quality of life. That religious it, and secular. Yes, so it's both. Both. They very much included the word secular yeah. to try to cover their bases. Okay. It recognizes the quality of life and the value of that. During this 0.5% of the year, the view of the ocean 
from the OG CMA's boardwalk and pier is of sublime natural beauty without the visual elements of beach umbrellas, tents, and masses of people. Oh, I see. They're protecting the view on that on those few hours from nasty people who are yeah. Who are Heaven forbid it. we see a rainbow colored, you know, <laughs> um, beach umbrella. <laughs> Or, you know, all the things. So, you know, everyone step back, just, just chill out and just, just look at the view, the unencumbered view. Everybody just ever don't enjoy the view by going to the view. And experiencing it and, and, and touching it and feeling it and using it. Um, No. Obviously a lie. They're, they're obviously doing it because that's Jesus time and nobody gets to enjoy themselves. No, you should be in church. You should be in church. That's amazing. It's, it's. Oh my God. Yeah. Literally, I, you know, this is one of those moments where civil disobedience is called for. Yeah. Where a group should be going out there, going around, finding a way over, you know, climb the fence or, you know, go around the gate, whatever you got to do. Sw- yeah. Swim around if you need to with giant, like, umbrellas with baphomet and satan yeah banners and staked into the sand pride flags anything that might offend them and just do a sit-in and if they try to arrest you you i promise you the aclu somebody will will come to your aid well this is the you it's funny you should say that because the article addresses that very thing oh that you know people of a certain abled with a with a certain abled body could very much do that, but it blocks anybody with differently abled, you know, restrictions. They couldn't jump a fence. They couldn't, you know, get past in a wheelchair, a barrier put up to actually use the beach that they're entitled to use. And so that's a whole nother level of discrimination, you know, an ADA restriction, an ADA restriction. So, so that adds a, a layer of some, you know, maybe a little angle in which they can kind of weasel their way in to make sure that, you know, this, this the stops. law is followed. Yeah. Here's the other thing. Even if you don't want to be civilly disobedient and do it in the time when it's closed, if you live in that area, please go to this beach and have offense things that would offend them. Uh, just prominently displayed at your beach station. Yeah. Please bring, please bring up a, a beach umbrella that, that has, the satanic temple on it or something. <laughs> the flying spaghetti monster. Yeah. Let's hurt their feelings. All right. Um, speaking of hurt feelings, uh, that's a terrible segue. Cause this has nothing to do with hurt feelings. Um, <laughs> here's the thing. We've, we've talked a lot on this show about how, uh, church attendance has gone down dramatically. Very much. So. Uh, here in these United States. And we're very pleased with that. Thank the Lord. Yeah. Uh, so, Uh, One of the things that's interesting that we haven't talked about, an angle that I haven't actually seen a lot of data about, uh, has finally come in the form of a a Barna. Barna's a a Christian um, data group. They they do a lot of surveys and stuff. Um, But they did a survey of pastors and uh, and priests and stuff of, of church leadership across the country. Okay. And asked some questions about the up and coming uh, leadership. Cause here's the thing. One of the things they asked is if these pastors, senior pastors, if they are considering not 
you know, retiring or, or leaving, uh, the being pastors and a significant number of them are, uh, are looking to, to retire or looking to go jump ship. And here's the thing. There aren't, there's a significant shortage of up and coming people of, of, of trained pastors coming trained up. pastors. Here, well, in some cases, you trained. Need, yeah, most of them need training. Like, pretty much, you're not, you're really not supposed to do it without, like, you know, going to some bullshit. University. Unless you're like, a Mormon bishop who is an absolute layperson we'll with no it. training. We'll get to it. Because mm-hmm. I was going to mention that. Uh, so the so one of the questions that they asked senior pastors is, is it becoming harder to find mature young Christians who mature. want who want to become pastors? Now, when they asked the same question back in 2015, 24% said they strongly agree. 45% say they agree somewhat. So that's actually a lot. Yeah. You know, that's that's almost 70% uh, or more. Wait, I didn't math. Maths. Did I math? I didn't math. Anyway, um, now, so that was, yeah, it was almost 70%. Now, the numbers are... Ex- are so just from 2015 to now, to 2022, which is when they, when they did this, it's gone up significantly. The number of pastors who agree strongly that it's harder to, be, to find young pastors, now 34%, up from 24%. Mm. And a 41% uh, agree somewhat. So it's, uh, it's clear that like the trend is nobody wants to be a pastor anymore. I think not only does nobody want to go to church, but they don't, but nobody wants to, to be lead. a pastor. And it's getting grim because, <sighs> uh, the you know, the trick is younger generations coming up are the ones who are not going to church the most. Yeah. they You know what I mean? Like millennials, Gen Z, these people do not want anything to do with church. Well, this is what I worry about. I actually... You'd think I'd love this story, but what I worry about, what makes me really worried about this is that it opens the floodgates because, you know, congregations are desperate for a leader. It opens the possibility that even crazier and crazier and more extremist pastors will get the job. There, That is happening. I mean, we report all the time. We play audio from crazies all the time. But here's the thing. One of the big reasons that people are leaving church, and there was another, there was another story. I didn't actually do this story, but there was another story about a book uh, called "The Great Dechurching." I think is what it's called, and they're coming at it from a Christian perspective. But they are talking about why, you know, they did some a, a big survey of people who are no longer going to church. This is dechurched people. They're not necessarily, you know, they aren't thinking that these are. Like unaffiliated or un- people, people who have officially left the church. They're just people who are no longer going to church. They're not active. So they wanted to do, yeah, to use the Mormon term. Yeah. Um, they, they wanted to do a, some big surveys and they did good surveys about that. Um, you know, they, they, they gathered pretty quality data about it. But one of the big reasons people are leaving church is because it's hateful because their pastors are because their church environment wasn't uh, a uh, loving, ac- accepting, inclusive, enough. inclusive environment. So 
I say bring on the hateful pastors, bring on the kooks. It's just going to make people leave the church faster. There will be a bunch of crazies that stick around. Stick around, which there already are, I guess. There already are. They're they're there already. You know, Trump voters need somewhere to go to church, I guess. But oh, uh, he isn't church. He, he isn't a religion in and of itself. Well, he isn't yes. a cult. Yeah, he's he's a he's an ancillary religion. He's okay. his own thing. <laughs> but yeah, I, I I think it's interesting, you know, like one of the things that they reported is that the evan the evangelical Lutheran church, for example, reported that they were in literally a succession crisis to the tune of needing at least 600 pastors. Whoa, that's not a small number. No, they can't find them. So I think that's delightful. I love it. Uh, I think, uh, and the other thing is that more than half of the pastors, 54% of them, did not agree with the statement, my church puts a significant priority on training and developing the next generation of leaders. Oh, so interesting. They have not invested invested in the future and it's going to catch up with them. And I am tickled pink. I I, this happier. is an interesting story because I've, you know, I, I, I just never would have thought of this as part of the calculation. Right. You know, you hear, Oh, church membership is down. You know, people are going to church less and brunch more, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, but I didn't even think about the, the inventory of, of clergy and pastors and, and that well running dry and, you know, giving people less and less reason or way to gather yeah. together. So I, I think that's and and if they don't have a clergy to kind of maintain a building or a property or a place to to worship, you know, it's kind of this domino effect. It's yeah. like the head, you know, the the top of the triangle kind of thing. Yeah. The pyramid. It'll be fun to see uh, how it all plays out as the as fewer and fewer people are interested, not even only in attending, but in uh, uh, officiating mm -hmm. the church. Uh, so that, yeah, I, I thought that that was delightful. I thought that that was fun. Uh, if you, dear listener at home, would like to chime in, would like to tell us all about your, uh, you know, you want to be a pastor, <laughs> you can. You can write into us about this or any of our stories by writing to podcast at thankgodimatheist.com do it <laughs> do it uh there is more show coming up we are going to skip uh the middle segment again we're going to skip the the emails and the the thanking the patrons and everything so uh but don't uh, stop don't stop there they will come back and thank yes so so give us more money more of you become patrons so that we have more people to thank. Next I'd week. love the entire show to just be this endless list of thanks. <laughs> I, I, we will we will endeavor not to make it the entire show, I promise. But, <laughs> but yes, uh, that would be lovely. Uh, if you would like to become a patron, uh, feel free to go to thankgodimatheist.com and click on the support tab. There's a little uh, banner on the right-hand side for, for Patreon that you can click. And or and or you can do a one-time donation uh, on uh, PayPal. Whatever your whatever your kink, just go ahead. You know, however you want to give us money, you choose the amount that you want to give. We uh, we we won't get mad one way or t'other. Uh, but do know that that you can get the Frank and Dan Diaries this week with a hundred percent more Andrea. And yeah, yeah. Hello. And, and significantly less Frank, but that's okay. He'll be back. He will. Uh, so thanks. Uh, more show coming up.
you know, we're as 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 we as we dive into this next thing, you just made an interesting point to me while we were uh while while we were not talking for public consumption <laughs> about about the last story about there not being a lot of clergy about you know the 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 clergy drying up and you made a point that there's actually quite a few new clergy members happening all the time because yeah like the numbers are growing in a certain sect <laughs> we're talking about weddings today and more more and more weddings are being being officiated by friends and family of the 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 wedding couple right and they have to get their clergy which is so dumb yeah. like uh, that we have to have some religious or you know judge or religious person officiate a wedding and more and more people are getting clergified so they can marry their yeah. friends and family the the universal life church, church. or dudism or the spaghetti monster or, or whatever so i would posit that in that category clergy is growing <laughs> there is a category where clergy is growing <laughs> and that's fake church it's fake church, and I like there's, it. There's there's lots of new fake clergy, but not a lot of not. Yeah. All right. So you and I went to a wedding with a fake church clergy person. Yeah. Yesterday. Yes, Universal Life Church, the one of the more common. Um, and interestingly, so you know, this is one of this. This is a a, a family affair, but it wasn't a Mormon wedding. Uh, which is which is nice, although. One of the things about Mormon weddings that I like is that I don't have to go to them because <laughs> I'm not allowed to go to them. Because if it's a proper Mormon wedding, it happens in the temple and non-Mormons who, who are, who you know, all of us dirty heathens aren't allowed in the temple. So no. I don't have to go through the whole boring affair. But in the case of this one, the ceremony itself was very short, almost too short. It was mercifully short. It was like, why did we even do this? But it was, yeah, it did feel a little, it was funny because I don't like weddings, but I still felt shortchanged. So how did that go? How do you do that? How do you pull off a, thank goodness this was short and also, what? wait, that's it's it? Over? That's all you got? <laughs> anyway, um, I just, you know, one of the things that I wanted to talk about with you, Andrea. Yes. Uh, is is the concept of a wedding. Um, not marriage. We're not talking about the, the the institution of marriage, which we have plenty of thoughts about uh, yeah. also. But just the wedding, the ceremonial tying together of these people. The display. Yeah. And I I gotta say, like last yesterday's wedding had a lot many of the traditional elements and every single one of them rubbed me every kind of wrong way the father walking the bride down the aisle yeah the giving away the bride and literally he actually made a joke as he was going down i almost he said the runway <laughs> yeah. i guess in a way the, the bride's, catwalk Can the catwalk the, the catwalk? bride's you know you know on display in her dress. The, you the know, aisle. We can call it the aisle. That's the truth. He made a joke about he's giving nothing away and you better bring your wallet. Like, yeah. I don't give awkward. Any, he says, I don't give anything away for free. He better brought some money. And it's just like. It was like, oh, we understand the sentiment, but also, whoa. Yikes. Weird. Yikes. A, way to make the uh, the moment about you, dad. Yeah, and, but that's him. Yeah. I personally know the man. So. Anyway, the whole that okay can we just say i'm just gonna say up front 99 of sort of the the wedding traditions 
that people in at least the US and you know every country has their own traditions and every but I mean I think a lot of these sort of pervade western european culture, culture and uh, and you know as trickled through uh the you know colonial culture and whatever it's wildly sexist wildly like marriages have gotten significantly less sexist there's still plenty of sexism within marriage uh in society but it's it has changed dramatically over the last hundred years. Yeah. And let's be clear now that, you know, the LGBTQ plus community can marry, that has changed the dynamic because gender roles are less um, like boxed in. Sure. Um, I don't think. Yeah. I. Again, we're not getting into what what's good and bad about marriage, but you're right. We're talking about the ceremony, the wedding itself. But I do think that people have held on to some wildly sexist traditions. Yeah. This giving away of the bride is the, the most obvious. It is, it, I mean, I don't care how you slice it. I You can come up with ways in which you think it's sweet or whatever, but it is, the symbolism is clear. This yeah. is one man bestowing ownership of this, you know, female, of this chattel that he owns upon another man uh and at least traditionally you know if if it's a if it's an lgbtq if, you know if it's a gay wedding it's different but but we're talking we're, we're talking traditional this is this is cishet uh normative stuff it's i can't believe we're still doing it yeah or ta- or or the other thing i was surprised about is this this woman getting married who like she's progressive in some ways and she took the man's last name. She took her groom's last name. Yeah. And I look, look, that, I don't right. have a problem with it. Like we're, we're in, there's still a lot of sexist institutions and name it, you know, a woman's last name is tricky because probably she has her dad's last name. So she gets to, so she, she gets she, to choose, she gets to choose between which man's last name she wants. That's true. Uh, which is weird. I didn't think of that. She, I mean, she can choose. She's free to choose a, and a whole other a, name. a neutral third party last name that she. And I've known couples who, um, in a, you know, uh, a mutual decision. Or, yeah, they both change their names. Yeah, and that's possible. You know, but but I mean, it's very clear that like, yeah, taking taking the last name, the concept of I introduce to you, Mister and Mrs. So and So. Now, Mister and Mrs you know, Campbell or whatever the last name is, is one thing. But Mr. and Mrs. Joseph Campbell or Mr. and Mrs. Stan Beecher, Daniel Beecher, you sure, whatever. Woof. Woof. Now we're, that is just blatant sexism. That is just this, this couple is made, is made valid by this man. This it's just layers. Like you can shed certain layers, but that's still like, even if you eat, you know, I'm Mm. thinking about the walking down the aisle. And even if the, the father doesn't walk the bride down the aisle, if you've got a groom waiting and a bride approaching, that is still a man in receiving in a position of power, receiving you know getting to own this like the symbolism is so fucking clear i don't know why we haven't revamped this entirely yeah it is it 
it's do you do I seem upset? I'm a little upset. Flames <laughs> heaving. <laughs> Here's the other thing. Look, I I I would like our I know that a, a lot of our listeners are going to write in about this and I want that. I want I can't wait to hear about it. I want to hear what you think the wedding does. I know I have heard a lot of people talking about how a wedding is a, you know, a public declaration of a commitment of a commitment a partnership I, I you know and 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 that the the people that are invited they are joining in and witnessing they these are the people that you care and love and you want them to be a part of such a special moment that's very important to you yeah. and so i I actually understand all of that. I guess for me, I'm kind of a non-traditionalist. And for me, it's like, okay, well then if that's the case and that's really important to you, go on with your bad self. But why can't we do that differently? Why why does it still have to be cloaked in this, you know, misogynist tradition? Yeah. Even if it doesn't mean that to you, it is still the symbolism. There's still that symbolism there. You know, just have a big party. Just like... Well, hey, I I don't I don't know, but like, why are we doing it the same? We've always done it, and even if it doesn't mean the sexist things to you, it's still as a display representative of that of well, the sexist I, shit. I, here's what I think is part of the problem, and and why this is important for us to discuss on this show, and that is that the 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 main groups that are holding on to these traditions and not letting go of them are the churches. Yeah. So a high percentage of weddings that everyone attends are religious weddings, are church weddings, and what's happening in these in these uh ceremonies. Ceremonies are because the churches have not come close to expunging the sexism, the misogyny of it's a commercial it's a it's a marketing ploy almost well no i'm i mean i i think maybe that but what i'm <laughs> what i'm getting at is that like there's so much sexism just pouring through oh, the church inherent in the religion that literally like it does it would never occur to them to get rid of the misogyny in their ceremonies because it's tradition. to them it's not just tradition i think to them it's a feature not a bug I think mm. they want that. I think that is uh, something that that's they, part of the sentiment. It's it, they they love it. You know what I mean? Like these are all. First of all, these are all organizations largely that are run by men. Uh, oh yeah, still, and so and so yeah, they they love these traditions. Of course they do. They they embrace it. But then so then most of the weddings that everybody goes to are religious weddings, and then when you're planning your own wedding. You want to stay sort of within the tradition of your culture and whatever. So you don't, so I, most people don't put a lot of thought into what traditions should we keep and what traditions should we by all means jettison with alacrity. Well, it, for those of you who are subscribers and, and heard the, you know, the Dan and not Frank, but Andrea diaries today, we talked about homogeny in design, you know, and mm. the homogeny. Yeah, we talked, we in, talked a little bit about uh, interior design with interior and, designer, Andrea Beecher. <laughs> and we talked a lot about the, the sheep, the masses, the, 
you know, oh, this is on trend. This is what's on Pinterest. This is what's on HGTV. And I think the same can be said for the tradition of marriage. I think Let's when you say get, sheep, there's nothing wrong with looking at Pinterest and getting ideas. From no, but stuff. doing the same thing that everybody else does in the exact same way. Doing it without thought. Without thought, without, you know, radical individualism. You know, that kind of thing, like yeah. just sticking to a mold, sticking to the status quo or the cliche. And I think when, you know, when somebody couples and they are thinking about this celebration, this this display, this party, they're like, oh, well, I want my day. I want to do what everybody else does. It's it's and in some cases, it's status and the yeah. money that is spent and the and the the party that is had and how luxurious or how, you know, extreme that can be and how you know expensive this designer dress was and and all of that and that's not to say that all wedding ceremonies are like that but i think that a, a lot of this world is 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 made up of people who just want to be part of the tribe and want to just do what everybody else does for better or for worse yeah and that's not a problem like that's it's not that's, inherently it's not that's fine but we as a culture need to start thinking about these things like it we we you know those who feel they can need to lead the charge in getting rid of the gross symbolism in marriage yeah because it is no longer the economic institution that like i would argue that we should be getting rid of phrases like till death do you part or mm. as long as we both shall live just because we know that we like we That's can aspirational dan yeah <laughs> we know that like it's okay for people to get divorced you know what i mean we we know that like it's it's, okay it's, for, it's no yeah. longer economically necessary for women to have to be partnered and that's what it used to be like it used to be an economic institution like nobody thought Women couldn't even have a, their own credit card in their name until the year I was born. And yeah, I'm a little bit old, but I'm only 45. For centuries, like there was no question about who loved who, or there was very little question about who loved who. This was, was not a contract of marriage or partnership. There was a it, or there, love or partnership. There was a question. It was a question of like, can can this can this coupling actually sustain these people? For the long haul, because you need each other to be, to be able to live. And that's not the case anymore. As a matter of fact, the happiest demographic of adults in the in the U.S. anyway is unwed mother, un, unwed women who are not who are childless. Yeah, because we've broken free of the well, I guess I can't say we because I am married to you. Yes. Legally. Yeah, I know. So that's why you're miserable. Right. Because you got married Come like, on, a, guys. like a fool. Get me out of here. <laughs> but yeah, it's like uh, it, it, the, the same, by the way, does not apply to unwed uh, childless men. No. Which, yeah. That's, I, uh, that's a whole other kettle of worms. But the, but the point here is that when we look at our institutions, when we look at our ceremonies, when we look at our traditions... We should have a critical eye uh, and also be less boring because I cannot stand going to weddings. Let's, That's can, my contention is that it's so cliche and kind of boring. It's so boring. Please boring. don't bore me to death. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I, you know, I, 
I, I love the people, so I go to the things. Yeah, but, it's for them. But, uh, oh, my God, I cannot stand a wedding. Anyway, if you, and I'm guessing a lot of you, want to chime in on this yeah. uh, subject. And again, to make it clear, we are not against or poo-hooing or boo-hooing or what do I want? Poo-pooing. That's what I want. <laughs> um, marriage as a concept or partnership or coupling, although the dynamic of that has changed. We're talking about the the ceremony of marriage yeah. the display of marriage like what does that do for us yeah so uh so f- chime in you, you can write into us podcast at thank you can call into us and leave us a voicemail about it the uh phone number for that is 424-666-8442 go to the facebook page facebook.com slash tgi atheist and click the like button we sure do appreciate that um you can follow us on Twitter. Thanks so much to the Red Rock Hot Club for the use of their fine music. Thanks to Gordon Johnston for the use of his music. And thanks to all of you for tuning in. We'll talk to you again next week. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for having me. Oh, yeah. Thanks so much for coming on, Andrea. We appreciate you. Bye. Bye.